Hey, I'm Jana. And I'm Charlene. Our lives were forever changed by a closet. In middle age, with marriages and four kids between us, we opened that closet door. Now, we're married to each other. And you're listening to the real and raw conversations we have as we try to make some meaning of it all. This is the Meaning Maker Podcast. Hey, I'm Jana. Welcome to episode two of the Meaning Maker podcast. So today I think we're going to talk a little bit more about how, you know, now we know this information about ourselves. We talked in the last one about how we, you know, went from friends to now being married to each other, essentially. And we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, once we understood what was really happening, you know, what we did with that information and how that story sort of evolved even more. Yeah, so that. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. So, you know, what what are some of your recollections of that time? Some of the things that we went through or that you personally maybe were going through? So I would say because I was coming into this in a very different place than you were, like you you knew that you had these feelings within you, um, that you were attracted to other women in whatever way that means. And I didn't know. So kind of once... I knew, then I was very much, okay, I know, now let's go. <laughs> I, it really was kind of that simple to me. Um, and that sounds so callous, but I think I've just known from other things in my life that when you are faced with having to do hard things, I tend to err on the side of wanting to lean in and go through those hard things. Mm. And go through them purposefully. Mm -hmm. And just other things that I'd gone through in my life just kind of prepared me for that. So I think this is what happened. We both, like, we figured this out. And now I'm like, okay, what do we do with this now? Where do we go? And for you, (laughs) it was very much like, oh, my gosh, this is everything that I was struggling so hard to keep in the box. To keep in the box and not come to terms with. Yeah. This is how I know, like, you know how the, how everybody says, oh, you know, it's perfect because opposites attract. Yeah. 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 Here's one of the many places where we are opposites because I want to go through things purposefully as well, mm-hmm. but I am a much more measured. <laughs> I need to time. think this through yeah. in my own time. I need to consider every other possible soul that this might touch and what it, you know, how that may impact their lives as much as it impacts mine and so yes in those ways we were we were really different we were really different but at the same time I think you know I kind of thought well we need to do something now with this we need to be we need to be out with this in some way but at the same time 100% realizing the ripple effects that this is going to have and it's not like just, okay, you just go home and you say, here it is, and you rip off the bandage and go. Like, I was like, no, we need to have a plan. We need to talk to somebody. And so that is when, um, very soon after. So in the first episode, we had kind of said we really didn't know anybody that was going through this. However, that's not a 100% true. When I first started dating my ex-husband, he actually, there was a member of his family that was in the process of um that they were separating and leaving a marriage because she was gay and she was a lesbian um 
so I, while I didn't know her well, because she was kind of, uh, you know, moving out of the family as I was moving in at a very young age, I did have that connection and I'd seen her over the years still. She was definitely a strong resource for us. And it's kind of funny when I think back to that time, even that time of being 19 and starting to date my ex and hearing that, you know, she was coming out and, and their marriage was separating. I remember my brother-in-law telling me at the time, like, cause we were kind of sitting like, how does this happen? And I remember the, my, my brother-in-law sitting there across the table from me at the time and saying, well, you know, I heard she went down to a women's retreat down in the States for a weekend and I don't know, she came back from that and she's gay, <laughs> <laughs> which is utterly ridiculous. But I remember thinking at the time, yeah, that makes sense. That's what happens. Because you had so little context. I was so flippin' innocent, like, and naive. I had so little context, um, which is just kind of a funny aside now when I think of all this came out. So I did reach out to her from the two of us on behalf of the two of us. And um, we met with her virtually a few times. I remember one of the times, because of course, how do you do that? So she was, actually, I would say she was the per first person we came out to, really. I think so. Because, because we, we, knew, we needed her help. We knew we yeah. needed her help. We didn't know kind of what we were stepping into or how to step into it. We just knew that we needed to, we needed to start learning and start looking ahead and gathering resources. And so I remember sitting in a car in a dark parking lot one night when it was re raining and just sitting you and I talking on speakerphone on the car speakerphone with her for hours. And it really, it, it was really good. First of all, do you remember what that felt like? Yeah. To tell her? Yeah. How yeah. was, how was that for you? Well, I think it felt like a relief in some ways. Mm -hmm. And also I was just terrified because I'd just never spoken the words out loud before. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think I had done, well, I know I hadn't done a lot of imagining what any conversation like that would ever look like. I just, I, I just couldn't let myself ever go mm -hmm. there. And so, you know, to be in this position and to be having this conversation, it just all, I think for me, it just, it suddenly became very real. Yeah. Yeah. And I, so I do think probably, I don't think it's any secret and we were both fully met. Tell me if I'm wrong, <laughs> that I was the one that kind of led us through this holding your hand. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true in many regards, but Did I, I, force I you think, in it? no, no. <laughs> okay. I just want to make, no, that but I, I see that time land. very much as mm -hmm. I see our relationship now that you, mm -hmm. and it's, it's just, as you just described it, you need a plan. You see the end of how things could be. You're working the plan and I am somewhere off in my own head thinking about, but wait, have we thought of this part of the plan? We need to slow down a little bit on the plan. Like yes. I, you know, I am the more measured of the two of us. And if anybody's going to slow things down, it's me. It's you. Yeah. It's me. Um, but I actually think that's that's one of the, th the things that works so well between us, that mm -hmm. we, we are the counterbalance to each other. And I think it worked in that situation. I think it worked too. Um, but yeah. yeah, like, I mean, there was, you know, so much to think about. Like, it just, everything was new. It was all very scary. I... 
I had a million yeah. thoughts after that conversation with her. And in fact, I could drive you to that parking lot today and park the car in the same spot we were in because I will never forget where it was. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a pivotal moment for sure. You know, yeah. and she was the first person to, to really point out that, um, you know, these things do not happen in perfectly fine and good marriages, which yes. we talked about in the last episode. Yeah. That, you know despite what we each thought we were in, in mm -hmm. terms of marriage, I think we can all, I actually think all four of us could look back now and say, no, it wasn't perfect and good and fine. Like, we, and no mm -hmm. marriage is all the time. But I think um, she was the first person to point that out. And for me, I'm, I'm a very introspective person. And I took that in deeply and thought a lot about that. Mm -hmm. and, and I particularly my role in that. And I still think about my role in that even now. Yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, I know you did a lot. I do because I think I've changed a lot since then. But I've been very purposeful in the things I've changed because I've paid attention to the things I was not paying attention to before in myself. Mm -hmm. Right? Like mm -hmm. you can't fix other people, but in myself. Mm -hmm. For sure. So even before that, like let's go back a little bit because I want to tell yeah. this story. Um, you know, we can talk more about sort of you know how do you get to the point where you can make a decision to say it out loud to other people and mm -hmm. you know all of that we can talk about that but I want to go back because there's a couple of stories kind of intermingled in this time that I think are interesting and you know might be important to somebody out there <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. they're important to me um, but you know how these conversations that we have w one of them being about closets in general mm -hmm. right closets mm -hmm. are not just for for gay people to come out of um lots of people live in closets over many different issues could be anything right yeah. it's, it's anything that causes you not to be able to live authentically i think you yeah. know keeps you in some kind of proverbial closet and you're not fully who you are yeah and it's so interesting because we use the phrase coming out of the closet to refer to you know being honest about your sexuality and yet, I would say, looking back on it over the last nine years, the coming out of the closet with regards to sexuality has been obviously an important piece for me, but it's only been one piece for me. Kind of what, once I came out of that closet, I just feel like I, I now am more, um, I can more realize all the other ways that I need to come out of myself and be more authentic and so I think when people hear coming out of the closet, they think of this big ma magnanimous thing. And don't get me wrong, it's a big magnanimous thing. But it's not the only thing. And kind of, we've talked before, too, about courage and bravery. Mm -hmm. When you take a step, mm -hmm. it really is just about having the courage to, to take a step forward. Yeah. And once you do that, you have more resilience or yeah personal fortitude to take the next courageous step it's so this concept that we talk about all the time that courage is a muscle yes and absolutely. I, I talk to my even my work people <laughs> about that yeah. and I have done some leadership talks about courage as a muscle and I can see how other things that happened even before this mm -hmm. were courage we're, we're me flexing my courage Practicing muscles. So courage. I left a job that I absolutely loved because yeah. I got headhunted to go somewhere else and it was incredibly good money and I'd never worked in a huge corporation and I just thought, you know, this is, this is 
I, how can I pass up this opportunity, even though I really loved where I was and I fit really well there. Um, and I left and it took, uh, it took major courage to do that. And that I still look at that move as probably the one big pivotal move I made before any of this ever happened. And I'm sure I, I had lots of other smaller, you know, flex your courage muscle things. Mm -hmm. But when I talk to people, when I do leadership talks and things at work, I always talk about the concept of courage as a muscle and how that applies. You know, it applies in your career, obviously. You, the more things you do, the more courage you gain, the more confidence you gain, mm -hmm. those kinds of things. But I also do tell my coming out story, a little piece of it in those talks, because I want people to see that it's not just, it doesn't just happen in your career. It happens, it, anything that happens to you in your life is applicable almost anywhere else. Right. Yeah. And then the same as coming out of this closet of, you know, being honest about your sexuality is just one of the next steps that you will take in yeah. courageous steps and coming out of closets and these courageous steps. And that's what I think, um, and you referred to a little bit earlier too, about the number of people who have come to us in quiet, really on the side, that are talking about their own closets that they've come out of some around sexuality as well. Mm -hmm. There's quite a few who are still living in that. Yeah. But all the other ways that we come out of well, it's anything, right? It's like, courage. it's like if you, you know, you're going bankrupt or you're just really bad with your money and you're in a ton of debt or, you know, you have, there's an addiction issue or like it's anything you're having an affair. Yeah. Like you're a people pleaser. It, you're a it, people pleaser. <laughs> like all these, you have trauma that you're hiding from, uh, even from yourself, you know, like mm -hmm. there's so many things to be in the closet about. And that's and what I think, you know, it's a universal truth. It is a universal truth. Yeah. People are in the closet about many things. That's one thing I wanted to touch on. Mm -hmm. The other thing I wanted to touch on, you know, kind of moving back into the story about, you know, how we end up in a place where we think, okay, like, how do you even begin to touch the fact that you're going to have to say this to people you love and, mm -hmm. and to other people? And honestly, until the end of time, like until the end of time, I come out all the time to people who don't know that I'm that I'm in a, you know, I'm married to a woman, mm -hmm. it's still happening. And I just have come to know, realize that that's a thing. But the really big step of, of coming out to your family and, you know, sort of how did we um, create some kind of structure around that? How did we, you know, what, I think what? we, we had some, we had some little tests that, and things of our, of our courage muscle, I guess you would call it. Mm -hmm that we would sort of do back and forth. And, and I think that stemmed from something that happened to you. Well, yeah, because I think we realized very early on, you don't make a decision like this by using a pros and cons list in your mind. Like if you yeah. would sit down and think, what are the pros of being honest with this, about this to my family versus the cons? Like those cons are going to outweigh the pros. Well, your fear will you're outweigh everything yeah, and that's the whole thing and that's you know that sort of what is the saying that you will you'll stay in the same place as long as your fear is bigger than yeah the fear of the unknown yeah, is bigger than the discomfort of where you are you'll just stay where you are that's right so yeah so we knew that this isn't something we sit down and make a pros and cons list um i really think it came down to we both realized that we got to this point on pure faith alone. And 
and by putting out there you know be careful what you wish for to the universe yeah i don't like to say it like that but (laughs) but, i know it sounds so hokey but like a couple of things (laughs) happened and and you know be careful what you wish for i always tell the story about how you know, one day I was sitting in my office at work. I've been going through some career development, I guess you would mm-hmm. say, at work. And a female mentor had said to me, you know, I know that you believe that the only way that you can truly be creative is to write, right? Because I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. And she said, and that's true. Like, you know, you're a great writer. Lots of things you can do with that. But I'm going to show you that there are other ways that you can be creative in your career, and I remember thinking like, oh, wow, I wonder what that is. It ended up being things like strategic planning and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. which I ended up loving, by the way. Hmm. But I remember one day after a mentoring session with her, I was sitting in my office at City Hall and I was sort of leaned back in my chair and I just thought to myself, you know, just let me reach my full potential, <laughs> whatever that might be. Like I'm, you know, open the doors. I'm ready for whatever that is. And of course... I'm thinking about it with my career hat on, right? Because I'm thinking like, let's, yeah. yeah. You know Bring what? She's probably right. There's Bring other things on. I can do. Bring it on. I want to learn new stuff, whatever. But see, what the universe hears when you say something <laughs> like that is like, it's like your subconscious. Like it doesn't have a filter, yeah. right? So it didn't know I had my career hat on. And it would like when you open yourself up wide like that to the universe, the universe will conspire to give you what you've asked for and almost guaranteed it won't look like what you thought it was going to look. And here we are. Right. And I think to myself, when I look back and think about that story now and think about the potential I reached since then, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there's still more, but Mm -hmm. it changed me so much, so much for the positive. Yeah. For being, but you have to be willing to embrace that. And my first reaction as the you know the not like let's do this and I got a plan is I need to resist a little bit because I need to make sure that I can can I actually do this like can I and to be truthful I I really there were a lot of times when I didn't know if I was going to be strong enough to keep going but your analogy around you know you just kind of put one step in front of the other there were so many days in the beginning where that was my only goal was even Mm -hmm. if I only could put one foot in front of the other today at least it was forward momentum. But there were days when I know I stood still. I stood still yeah. because I couldn't do it. It was just so painful. And don't get me wrong. It's more than okay to, you know, stay still or to stand still. And it's okay to even, you know, if you have to go backwards a step or two here and there, as long as you don't, you know, unpack and, and live there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that happens. And, and I found that I really had to learn to cut myself some slack in doing those things. Like it wasn't something I was used to, but um, I just had to allow that to be the case. And I found that I couldn't stay stuck in this sort of like there's a, you know, there's a bit of toxic positivity out there in, in you know, society wants you to stay on the, you know, they want you to be bright and positive and, you know, always find the, the bright side of things. And And I think there were a lot of days that went by that you know, I couldn't see the bright side of things necessarily. And what I learned from that too is, you know, it's all, it was all about sort of staying in that place and acknowledging what I felt and feeling what I felt, right? Because I had Mm -hmm. numbed myself out for so long. Hmm. So we can talk a little bit more about that in the next episode. We'll call it part two of this conversation, right? Yeah. 
I think we should continue it. Yeah. All right. In the meantime, feel free to follow us again at our social medias at Instagram is the underscore meaning maker to underscore podcast or Facebook meaning maker. Or of course you can always email us at meaning.maker.podcast at gmail.com. Thanks again. And we look forward to hearing from you.